When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James and welcome to the show brought to you by The Athletic UK. We're going to be previewing Monday night's game against Sheffield United. In fact, we're going to be previewing the festive period in full and doing a last word on Luton Town from Saturday. Also, Peter's back in this podcast later on, chatting all things under-23s and under-18s. It's been a stellar year, particularly for the under-23s so far, so we thought we'd chat all things youth team. Plus, the big Fulham Christmas quiz of the year is happening in part three. It's going to be George Cooper hosting, and it's going to be me against Jack Collins. Jack, hello. Welcome. Hello, mate. How you doing? Fine, thank you. It's a big, it's a big there battle today. There it is. You excited? You I'm nervous? very excited. No, I'm not nervous, Sammy. Um, it's, 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 you know, it is what it is. Quizzes, light work. You know what I mean? You know, for for someone who loves who loves quizzes, I love love quizzes. Um, yeah, that's so, going to be coming up. So it was from Peter's Fulham Quiz of the Year, which is on the Athletic right now. Um, George has got some of the questions from that quiz and then some questions that didn't make the quiz and he's put them together and he's going to ask those to us in part three. And we're going to write down our answers so you can play along with the quiz as well. And we'd love to hear from your, your scores from us. But that's all coming up later. And um, the chat with Peter uh, was recorded a few days ago because Peter's on his Christmas holiday. So it's just Jack and I for the start of the podcast today and Jack we should probably start off with a bit of analysis from Luton Mm. on Saturday a one or draw Fulham's fourth consecutive draw in a row Uh, and I chatted to you briefly about it earlier this week and um, you weren't a happy boy so I just kind of wanted to delve into that before we look ahead no, like, you know what, I, I listened to Monday's podcast and I thought a lot of it was 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 really, really good. The analysis was excellent, like, as usual. Um, and especially I thought Jack and Loz were brilliant. Um, but I did think perhaps we'd let them off a little bit lightly um, in, in okay. terms of Fulham. I, I just was really, really disappointed with this. Like, full stop. And you know, there's been a lot of, of points in recent weeks, right, where, you know, when you look at the the game against Derby and the, the squad have been ravaged by illness and you go, okay, you can accept that point in the in the grander scheme of things, right? You can You can look at that and go, okay, ultimately. And then the Bournemouth game where because of the way that the league table was set up, I said that you'd probably have taken a point before kickoff. Now, we thought we were the better side for long periods of that game and we played really well. Um, then there was the the Preston game and you go, okay, we were pretty poor today. We were maybe lucky to get away with that point. You, you know, you kind of grin and bear it in, in, in so many ways with Fulham playing, you know, up to the point very, very well this season. But this Luton game, I thought we were really poor. Now, I know that we could have snatched it. We could have won it late on. I don't think it would have been deserved. I think the point was what, you know, what Fulham deserve from the performance. And I just 
have a funny thing about this that right now I, I didn't feel that Fulham were were at it. And I feel like the players felt similarly. Obviously, we, you know, you heard from Tim Ream after the game being like, that wasn't a performance of champions. We've got to be better. Marco Silva said, this is two points dropped. I, I don't think that's a good point. I wouldn't have taken a point before kickoff. You know, yeah. I, I fully wouldn't have taken a point before kickoff. We were going to lose and we knew, yes, they're a bit of an up and down side. They do deserve credit. And also they deserve full respect because of the way that they play. Their intensity was unrivaled, to be honest. I thought they were excellent from almost start to finish. And it looks like they, you know, run through walls for their manager, which is which yeah. is which is massive. And it's, it's it's the kind of thing that you look at. And I imagine the Luton fan sites are saying, Yeah, money can't buy that, they can't buy attitude. And just think that Fulham were were, were bad. And 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 that's kind of where I'm at. It, we we you know, we praise everyone when, when Fulham are excellent, and rightly so. That's how it should be. You can also criticise when Fulham are poor, and I think that Fulham were poor. That would be my like big takeaway from the Luton game. I thought we were rubbish for long periods of the game. Now, not for all of it, and because Fulham are such a talented side, and because we're looking at most teams thinking we're a better side than you, on paper at the very least, you know, there is almost nobody in the division you look at that even holds a candle to this Fulham squad. Yeah, I think you look at it and go, okay, like, you know, it felt almost like the squad were waiting for something to happen. They'd be like, oh, it'll open up. <laughs> you know, someone will, someone will do something like Mitrovic will just knock in a header or Kenny will bang one from 30 yards or Harry Wilson will produce a moment of magic. And it just never came. And I, I think the, the, the way that we set up was almost a bit like, ah, it'll, it'll happen. And it just felt a little bit lackadaisical perhaps in, in many ways from, from where I was sitting. And, I don't know. It just, you know, I was just a bit disappointed. That's opposite to kind of what we've seen this season really is. Whereas I feel like Fulham haven't taken that approach, which happened so much under Scott Parker, which was like, yeah, we can play a bit rubbish. We can pass it sideways, but someone's going to bang one in. Someone's going to do something magic. And even though maybe this Fulham team aren't relying on worldies so much, maybe we're just relying that Niskins is going to skin a player or that Mitrovic is just going to turn someone well and shoot. And it does feel like we've kind of adopted that mentality a little bit in, in the last few weeks, particularly when we go one nil in front. I think that's the moment really where in the pressing game, in the looting game, that's when Fulham could have put this gate, these games out of sight but in, in those kind of 10, 15 minutes afterwards where the home team's a bit rattled, the, the home fans are flat. I think that's the moment where Fulham have dropped points, really. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. Like, it's a little bit, to be honest, the game it reminded me most of was maybe the Peterborough game. Yeah. Um, where, you know, we we did in that game get the moment of magic. You know, we got the the moment that turned that game and just meant that we, we won. But we got away with it a little bit. And it's okay, you know, when you get away with it, you probably criticise it a little bit less, which is not necessarily the right thing to do, but it just is the, the way of things, right? You You look at a game like that and you go, well, we won, so you know, we move on. Whereas this, obviously we didn't win. I was just, I was a bit disappointed with how flat we are. That, that was all. And look, I think it's not an overarching criticism of the season. I think it needs to be put in the context of it's a singular game. And I actually think that a lot of the games in this drawing run, or at least the first two, aren't as bad as perhaps the second two. Whereas I think we, we've actually played quite poorly. Um, and I, I'd really be looking for a response on Monday and we'll obviously get to it. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the team to... To, to perk up. And I don't know if it's changing a personnel. I don't know if it's, you know, making sure that everything ticks or, or whatever that might be. It just is it, at the moment, it just feels a little bit off. And I was, I was, yeah, I just wanted to say, like, I think there's a lot of, you know, we've been a lot positive this year on a lot of things, rightly so. 
um, and you know whether that be performances or off the pitch or, or whatever's happening, um, things have been good. But equally, I think it's, it was we let a little bit slide because of the rest of the season and how good it's been. And I just think that maybe we should probably be like, look, <laughs> that was really poor, and we should address it. The difficulty was for me. I think if we win the game against Derby, which we should have won really a with the chance we had in the game, but B also because I think under normal circumstances, we had our full team out and we weren't decimated by illness like we were. And then maybe three draws in a row like we've had wouldn't have been so terrible, but you start getting to four and if it becomes five on Saturday, then it does become alarming. And we seem to also be getting away with things in terms of the league table because of Bournemouth and because we had that gap over the teams below us. But I think beyond that, going into the Christmas period, there's not a lot of room for error. Um, Let's look ahead then just to the festive period in general. We're not really going to have time to do Thursday clubs on those given the way the game's full Sheffield United I would have said earlier in the season feels like a really good game for us I don't really know what to make of them anymore they've won three on the spin one of those wins was under Slavisa he's now gone it's now Paul Heckingbottom and I still stand by the statement that that is one of the biggest managerial downgrades in history however he has won his first two games in charge they've had a two-week break because QPR postponed their match last Monday. Um, I I don't know what to make of this game. My instinct tells me this is a really good one. And I think Fulham will get back to winning ways back at the cottage and the, and the team will be determined to prove a point after a few results that haven't gone our way. But then I also do respect that Sheffield United were a Premier League team last year, still have a, a smattering of Premier League talent within their within their ranks and are probably in a false position given the quality in their squad. Yeah, I, I would agree with that in, in, in terms of you look at what this is and there's still a lot of, especially in terms of the championship, there's a lot of championship talent who are very accomplished at this level, right? You only have to look at the likes of, of Oli, who we, we know all too well, um, to, to, to you know, to kind of make that, but you look at this side and you read out the names. I mean, you know, our old friend Wes Fodringham, maybe aside, uh, you know, you're talking about John Egan, Chris Basham, and Davis, Ender Stevens, Connor Hurahan, Ollie Norwood, Jaden Bogle, Morgan Gibbs White, David McGoldrick, Billy Sharp. These are all championship stalwarts, and that's before you get onto the bench. And you're talking McBurney, Mousset, Ben Osborne. You're talking about Rian Brewster, George Bulldog, Sander Burge, who I still think is a Premier League quality footballer. Um, you know, this is there's a lot of talent here, like a lot. And it, it's easy to forget that this is a, a very good side um, because of the way that they started the season, because of the way that it, you know it nested, it didn't work out. They came from behind against Cardiff to go and win that game. Um, you know, there's there's obviously a little bit of spirit and, and Hecking Bottom when he came in last year, obviously, you know, was in a in a bit of a non a non-winnable position is how I'd phrase it. Um but you know, on on the whole of of this, this is still a squad more than capable, I would suggest, of of going up. Um now whether they can do that or not after the start they've had, I would disagree, you know, is up for debate. But whether they are good enough to beat almost anyone in this division. Absolutely not up for debate. Um, they are a, a very, very impressive side um, on paper. And if Heckingbottom can get them working, there's no reason that the Sheffield United side will not be in the conversation. Maybe not for automatics. Maybe they've left it too late for that, but definitely for the playoffs. Um, and yeah. and a, you know, a side that no one would actually want to play in the playoffs. Look at the amount of you know championship experience 
in that side. Uh, the amount of quality on top of that, but just experience in terms of getting through these things, it, it, unbelievable. And they're a side that if they do end up in the playoffs, nobody will want to face. They, you know, they will they will be that side. Yeah, um, but they're only they're only six points off the playoffs, so literally there is no gap really, considering there's half a season left. And I just look at that that front three that started against Cardiff. I look at Morgan Gibbs White, who I'm surprised is at championship level at this point, given the progression that I thought he was making at Wolves. He's maybe almost similar to Harry Wilson, where I think, I reckon by now he would have reckoned he was going to be a Premier League starter, but alas, for certain reasons, is is finding his, his feet back in the championship. But, you know, had a phenomenal game against, against Cardiff. You've got McGoldrick, who, yes, I know he became a bit of a joke in the Premier League because of the lack of goals he scored. Wait, but still... McGoldrick, best player. I, I went on Radio 5 Live once and said that David McGoldrick was the best player ever to have not won a Ballon d'Or. So, um, yeah, I won't have any disrespect here. <laughs> I remember listening to you say that in a car wash once and I nearly turned the radio off and and put on a a different station. I was um, joking, but... (laughs) (laughs) And then Billy Sharp. And we know that Billy Sharp, yes, an older player. I'd like to think that the Fulham defence will have his number, but... He's a wily fox, isn't he? Lethal. Wily fox. At this level. So it's a difficult game. And then looking beyond that, Birmingham and Reading, those are two games that I do think fall pretty kindly for Fulham, particularly Birmingham at home on Boxing Day uh, and then Reading at the Medeski. Sheffield United, clearly the what toughest out of this. Can't wait for that. I'm, I'm ex- I know everyone likes to knock the Medeski and it is crap, but it I'm looking crap, forward to it. Can, we give, it, can it. we give it its proper name, actually? Oh, um, the Select... It- Car leasing stadium. Yeah. As if the Medesic stadium could get worse. They've named it the select car leasing stadium. But these three games, Jack, obviously Sheffield United is the toughie out of them, but I'd be very disappointed if we haven't got seven out of nine from that. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I would, I would incredibly agree. In fact, um, yeah, it's, um, it's just one of those where Fulham need to be back at winning ways ASAP. Um, we need to be looking at, you know, making sure that these one points, you know, we said all of the above about, you know, talking about getting two points on average a game. That's fine. It stays that, but there's only so long that you can do that for, right? In, in terms of draws before you start to drop a little bit off the pace where you need. Now, I don't think Fulham are in danger of that just yet. Um, but I'm a bit concerned about the performances and, and actually what I really want to see against Sheffield United is, is a performance. Um, you know, when sometimes you, you play really well and you don't get three points. I, I would almost rather that than scrape over the line with a 1-0 at this point because I want to see evidence that this Fulham team are turning around what is in danger of becoming a mini slump. Yeah. I guess the elephant in the room with all of these games Jack is it feels very presumptive to even be talking about games happening um matches are falling like flies due to covid particularly involving the london teams yeah. um it seems to be a real big issue at the moment but it's obviously all over the country um the uk recorded 78,000 coronavirus cases yesterday and the omicron wave is um pretty prevalent now uh to say the least um it feels almost certain that one out of these three games is going to be called off from some angle either that be the opposition be that fulham there doesn't seem to be any indication at fulham right now that there is any issues and i'm sure that the club will have learned some lessons from what went wrong 
last December where Fulham had to call off two games due to an outbreak in our squad and a pretty severe outbreak at that. You know, we had some players that I think really caused a bad bout of it. Um, but I mean, it's impossible, impossible to speculate really either way as to whether these games are happening, given how late some of these cancellations are happening. Burnley Watford yesterday must have been called off, what, two hours before? A genuine disgrace. Fans. Yeah, a genuine disgrace that I tweeted at the time. But, you know, really, really, really bad. Like there is no way that Watford didn't know that game was taking place up, you know, at the point that was two hours before kickoff. Like there is at some point they have the Watford squad have to travel, like and yeah. surely they didn't travel if they had eight players. Like you know we're we're looking at a thing where where fans have been properly properly mugged off there and and you know Lancashire's wonderful. I have a you know a lot of love for Lancashire, but you wouldn't want to be there if you didn't have to be for a game. To, to you know a week before Christmas, you know yeah. when people are one stretched monetarily and, and two trying to keep themselves away from being ill prior to christmas right like it's just ridiculous ridiculous yeah i mean look if games get called off games get called off it is what it is um i don't think we should be looking at a blanket kind of flat ban of, of any sort of football i think that would be madness over this period yeah, I agree. but there's also a level of you know people you know players i'd imagine in in what i just said about people looking trying to look after their families around christmas period you imagine players are the same so you'd imagine players are uh, you know a bit reticent about not necessarily playing football, which is kind of fine, but, you know, doing anything else around it and, and, and doing those things. So, you know, fingers crossed that, you know, what happens here is people trying to look after one, their teammates, two, their families, uh, and that because of that, things are able to go ahead in the way that we hope they would be. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be people listening to this that might be um, thinking twice about going to, to the games. Um, I know that my dad is certainly thinking twice. You know, everyone's kind of in this period now where you have to do 10 days isolation. Now that's your Christmas gone. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a worrying time out there and there's not much more that we can say than just kind of stay safe and, and respect other people's decisions. If people don't go to games, then people don't go to games. If people do go to games, then they do like at, at this point, it's, it's fully on everyone's own responsibility as to what their risk factor is and whether they, they want to go to matches or not. And we'll have to see and fingers and f- luckily Fulham haven't got a game like Sheffield United have got to travel to London on Monday if their if their fans want to come to the game. Fortunately, all our games are fairly local, so if they're called off, at least no one's going to be put out like those Watford fans were going to Burnley. Yeah, this on a, is on a it. Wednesday like night. you know, people people come back and say, "Oh, what about the Fulham game that got cancelled three you know last year, three hours before kickoff?" I was like, well, it was yeah, it was it, it was at Tottenham. Like, you know, the, yes, there are obviously people that move, come in from from various places around the country to watch Fulham and, 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 you know, fair play more than anything to those people who travel every week up and down the country to, you know, not just Fulham away, but Fulham at home as well. Yeah. Um, and there are going to be the odd case, but the general consensus is that, you know, you're, you're traveling across London. Yes, it's still a bit of a ball ache if the game gets cancelled, but ultimately you don't have too far to go. You're hopping on a tube or you're hopping on one big train or whatever that happens to be, you know, to get to, to a game. That's okay. Um, you know, traveling to Lancashire where you have to take the afternoon off work probably to, you know, in order to get there for kickoff is, is a little bit different from, from where I'm standing at. Yeah. And, um, I, I said this last year and I really hoped I didn't have to say it again in 2021, but I feel like I do. I said it that, Fulham issues, 
emails and DMs are always open. They always have been. And we really, really try to respond to as many emails or DMs as we get, either by reading them out on the podcast or actually responding to them, you know, on on the platform that we get them. And and last Christmas we made a concerted effort to definitely reply um, if people just wanted to chat about Fulham or wanted to get away from it or maybe you're having to isolate over Christmas and you just want to send us a funny message or you know just take your mind off everything that's going on at the moment that offer very much still stands so probably the best ways to reach us are either DMing us on Twitter we're fairly hot on replying to those or you can email us hello at fullamish.co.uk and we'll endeavour to get back to you or we'll endeavour to read out your email over Christmas etc etc Fulham family here for you same as last year I won't do the full spiel again but as ever here for you speaking of emails got a couple to go through Jack just before we get into the under 23s bit with Peter um I'm not going to have time to read all of them today, um, but I will certainly do uh, a few of the best ones and a few this will catch ons. Uh, First one from Steve Wells. He said, greetings, Fulhamish community. There have been many heads of hair that have popped out of the famous white shirts whilst treading the hallowed ground of Craven Cottage over the ages. But one stands as a colossus above all else in the tonsorial pyramid. Great words. Nice. That would be the legend himself, Johnny Haynes. The reason is simple. He was the face of Brill Cream in the UK in the 1950s and early 60s. If you were a young man about town trying to kill it with the ladies in the 50s, you took your lead from Fulham's captain. Has any other Fulham skipper come close to being this iconic for hair care? I think not. And he has attached uh, an image of Johnny Haynes on a Brill Cream advert. It is astonishing. He certainly was a good looking chap as well as a a fantastic footballer. He does continue though to say an honourable mention of the award goes to Costa Rican Brian Ruiz. I have never seen a footballer whose play was so similar to his hair. (laughs) Often I remember him on the ball at the cottage when a mild gust of wind would come off the Thames. Then the mild gust would blow his wispy locks about his forehead. A second later, the same gust would blow this wispy man off the ball and allow someone like Gareth Barry or Frank Lampard to seize possession and launch a counter-attack. Cheers and viva el Fulham. That again from Steve Wells. I did love Brian Ruiz. Absolutely. Oh, an exceptional footballer. I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget the. A wee uh, bit lightweight for the Prem, but on the whole, a glorious footballer. I was. Um, I never forget when I went to that. I went to that FC Twenty game um, when we lost in the Europa League, and Brian Ruiz just got this. Like it was. It was bordering on weird how much the Twente fans were kind of celebrating Ruiz when we went back. I just couldn't quite get my head. He, like they were applauding him every time he got the ball. I was like. It's like there's one thing like what we did with Stephanie Hansen a few weeks ago where we applauded him at a corner, but like this was there were murals, everything. It was um it was a bizarre experience, but I know he is loved there and he did help them win the Arab Visi. So that is uh, true. It is fair enough. Right. A couple of this'll catch ons and Jack, all of these are for Tosin Adrabio, alarmingly. Fantastic. Like this is a great um this is a great thing we've started here. Well, not we've started, that people have started from from sending them in. There is right. get the Tosin first... a song is a is a great kind of thing we're doing. Do you want to um join in with the ratings as well? Uh you are see how we go. Okay, first one from Nicholas Austin. Hey guys, regular listener, love the podcast. Got an idea for a toasting chant for you. It's to the song Love Fool by the Cardigans. <laughs> Niche. 
I'm going to have to sing it because it's not going to work otherwise. Um, That's it's the song that goes, "Love me, love me, say that you love me." So he's just gone, "Tosin, tosin, adarabio, tosin, tosin, adarabio." Yeah, it, it works as a you know as in terms of it's got the right amount of syllables, which is a start, which is more than the current song that Hammersmith Edvertosin has. Um, yeah. so it's an upgrade on that. I like I'll it. Give, I like the I'll cardigans give, a lot. I think that the "Loveful" by the Cardigans is a potential chant in the making. You know, it, I would never have thought "Whacka Whacka" by Shakira was going to become a common chant, but it's not my favorite Cardigan song. Let's put it that way, right? Like, it's not my favorite game, which is a classic. <laughs> but it, it is it is a uh, it is a good track well done that's good that gets an that gets an eight from me okay next one in this will catch on um from ben n again another toasting one long time listener and subscriber to the athletic keep up the good work please listening to thursday's episode i think we should absolutely try and include toasting's surname in a chant plus he would absolutely love it because we'd pronounce it correctly he says as someone also with a non-english name i can confirm that this is important so i've used excel and spelt his surname phonetically um the levels of this email are astonishing um this is to no limits by two unlimited um, a classic <laughs> which or if you don't know, will know it the yaya colo torre chant yeah it is the yaya colo torre chant it's the no 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 so he's literally written it out word for or syllable for syllable so i assuming it's going tosin 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 adarabio but it doesn't work <laughs> it's too it's too wordy it doesn't have an, it's it, there's he's added a syllable yeah i i can't see this catching on personally but i love the effort to which ben has gone to to say it um, it's good it's good but it's not it's not as good as the, it's not as good as loveful so okay. it's getting it's getting a 6.5 from me Oh, okay. I was going to be much harsher and give it a 3.5, but I, I love the no, effort. No, because the effort, the just, effort, the effort deserves. But it's just not going to catch on. No, that one's not going to work, I'm afraid. But it's a great shout. Okay, finally. Well, there's a clear winner and it's here. Is, is it the next one? Harry Stevenson. It's the Harry Stevenson. Harry Stevenson needs all the credit. This is excellent. Hi guys, I've been loving the chart reviews on the pod and thought I'd work on a Tosin chant since I agree we're in need of one. I would love your thoughts on this, um, which is the Magic Hat song or My Old Man's a Dustman if you want to uh, name the uh, the original, which is... Um, I think this deserves to be sung, so I'm going to sing it for you. Do you want to sing it? Oh, please, yeah. please save everyone from yeah. me having to sing all these chants. We've got Super Tosin, he's magic at the back. He'll ping it 50 yards and turn defence into attack. The pundits hate his surname, they can't pronounce it right. And when we win the championship, we'll sing this song all night. And that is excellent. Excellent. <laughs> that is a full-on so nine. Brilliant. The pundits the, hate his surname is exquisite. Exquisite. I, that is brilliant, Harry. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, I, that is a nine out of 10. I could hear it catching on. I think it's brilliant. I think Tosin would love it. Um, so, you only lose uh, a mark. Got, I agree with you. It's, it's only a nine because it's not like super original. It, the lyrics yeah, the tune's not original. Yeah, it'd be great to get a song going at, at Fulham where we actually were the first people to sing a song 
But I wrote a song for yes. Jerkim Anderson last year to the tune of Jerk It Out by the Caesars, but obviously no one was ever able to sing it um, because, well, no one was ever at the ground. So, and yeah. also it was too complicated and a bit weird. Um, but on the whole, you know, the, the only getting tens for someone who makes a chant that works and also will catch on and also is available. But that is a solid nine, Harry. I'm really impressed. But, you know, everyone knows the Magic Hat song. Um, so it's realistic. People know the tune, etc. So Harry Stevenson, thank you so much. He says, big fan of the pod and loving my new Fulhamish t-shirt. Insert plug here. Good yes, plug. Harry. Thank you very much. Thank you for the plug. Um, they are selling like hotcakes and it's not long to get one if you want one before Christmas. All the best and up the Fulham. And that's from Harry. Anyway, that's it for the This Will Catch On and the email section this week. There'll be more emails uh, in one of our Thursday clubs over Christmas. On to Peter Rutz the next, and we're going to be chatting all things under 23s. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast, and it's Sammy back with Peter Rutzler. Hello. Hello, Sammy. How are you doing? Good, thank you. So obviously, as this goes out, you are on your uh, Christmas week off. I mean, you're still going to be going to Fulham games and reporting on them, but you're just having a couple of days off before Christmas. What does a Christmas holiday look like for, for Peter Rutzler? Are you a man who decorates the house to the nines, sticks on a Christmas film, puts on a log fire? Are you all the Christmas cliches or, or are, you a bit, are you a bit cooler than that? Uh, well... Well, there's there's limited to no decorations in my flat at the moment, which is um, a bit bit disappointing, bit bit Scrooge. But um, no uh, Christmas films. Yeah, sometimes it would depend what my my girlfriend wants to do. <laughs> nothing overly exciting, actually, Sammy. So I can't nothing to write home about family. Enough. That classic. Yeah, I probably should get some kind of tree or tinsel. I'm a man who, at the time of recording, currently also has no tree either. Um, so uh, I, I guess we can unite in the fact that we're being very, very late and disorganised. Well, not anti Christmas or anything like that. Maybe you are a bit anti Christmas, no? but no. no, just you know, busy. Anyway, let's discuss the Fulham under 23s. It's why we brought you back uh, semi from your holiday, like an apparition in the podcast. Basically, yeah, a little break from Jack Collins. <laughs> we can all do with that. <laughs> to, to look at what has been a, a glorious season so far for the under 23s we also get a lot of messages for this podcast please can you cover the youth teams more please can you chat more about the youth teams and especially given the amount of coverage that you do on the athletic behind them I think we've just been waiting for an opportunity really to, to chat about um, some of the youth teams in depth first team matches have got in the way we've obviously done nothing on the women's team but given that they're flying so high. And I feel like, Peter, the youth teams at Fulham have been flying high for years. It doesn't feel like news anymore that either the under-18s or the under-23s are smashing it. This year, it's the under-23s, um, pretty much through to the next round of the PL Cup after a comprehensive 4-0 win over South End, which you were at, and it maybe sounds more comfortable than it was. It was 1-0 for a very long time, and then Fulham scored three goals late on in the match. But you just look at the quality throughout this under-23s team, and look, there was a sprinkling of first-team names in there with like South Mawson playing and people that have played in the first team for Fulham. But still, this under-23s team is very impressive under the helmship of uh, Steve Wigley. Yes, it is. Um it was actually, to be honest, uh, Sammy, it was a game that probably <laughs> the scoreline uh, flattered Southend a little bit, to be honest, because um, yeah. Fulham absolutely dominated them. 
Um, they just couldn't find a way past uh, their keeper, who was uh, Colin Andengendi. And I think uh, I was told afterwards that he was actually on trial at Fulham in the summer. So um, he's certainly done his uh, his chances. He was a, he was fantastic. Snap him up. Phenomenal. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. It's they have been performing very well for a long period of time. I think I think since that Youth Cup final appearance, which is what six years ago, I think it's been pretty consistent. I think with the success we're seeing in the under 23s, and if you're not overly up to speed, I mean, they, they are absolutely flying in what is Premier League 2, Division 2. So it's like the, the Premier League sort of reserve size, under 23 sides, and the second tier of that. Um, Fulham are currently top of the league last time I checked. Uh, they're nine points clear at the top. They've won eight league matches in a row. They've lost only one match all season, which was at Wolves right at the start of the campaign. Basically, they, they've hit new heights and... Um, there are a couple of correlations with that. And the first one, of course, is, as you say, Steve Wigley is, is in charge of them now. Last year, it was uh, Colin Amogbehin, who's still with the club, working with, with the senior side, sort of helping those young players who are transitioning between the two two teams. Uh, and Mark Pembridge, uh, they, they co-ran the team. And then uh, Mark's now left the club. Uh, but now Steve's stepped up. He was the under-18 coach last year. And uh, we've talked, we talked about the under-18s last year because they were excellent. Um, they won the Premier League South. So the Premier League is of academies. Cat 1 academies is split into two top divisions, the North and the South. Fulham won the South, which uh, for the second year in a row, obviously in 2020, it was curtailed due to, due to the pandemic. But to, to win that division was pretty damn impressive in itself. Um, you've got the likes of Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, Southampton, Crystal Palace, you know, some really big academies. Uh, that Fulham saw off and got to the final. They lost to City, unfortunately, which denied us of a, a European tour this year. But um, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the UEFA Youth League, but um, but that consistency has, has been remarkable. And, and Steve Wigley has since stepped up to the twenty threes uh, and has been able to sort of carry on that form. And I think I, I spoke to him after the the Southend game, and that continuity has been really important because he's familiar with those players. He's been with them through the 18, through that success. And, and that's partly why they are doing so well as well, because they are a talented, talented group. Of course, Fabio Carvalho was one of them. Um, so, and, and Harvey Elliott even before that. So it's, it's quite clearly a, a really strong group of players that's very familiar with Steve Wigley and the way he works. Um, and this year they played some really entertaining football with a lot of freedom. Uh, he, it, uh, there's a piece on the athletic which you wish you can have a look at, and Steve sort of talks about how they approach games, but they're structured without the ball, and then they play. Basically, they just go and play in, in the final third, and you have the likes of Sonny Hilton, Ollie O'Neill, uh, Kieran Bowie stepped up from from the 18s this year as well, um, and basically they're given license to play, and there's some really good technical players, and and that's why we're seeing such good results. And, and unfortunately, Southend came up against Fulham on uh, on Wednesday last Wednesday, and um, Suffered a bit. I mean, they did really well to keep it one nil, but um, honestly, it could have been six, seven. It was it was very comfortable. Yeah, we did seem to carve them open like a knife through butter at, at various points, and it means lots of players in this team that I'd love to ask you about. We've discussed Ollie O'Neill, and obviously, he got his uh, first goal in the youth system for his country recently, and and seems like a very impressive player. Uh, one player that I feel like has been consistently scoring for a while is Kieran Bowie. As you said, he's moved from the under 18s to the under 23s. He seems like a really promising player up top. Yeah, no, Kieran came in from uh, Rafe Rovers um, j- just before the pandemic hit, actually, which is um, which is never easy when you're trying to settle in. Um, but he he was part of the under-18 side last year and he's made a step up 
properly to the 23s this year for the for the first time. Um, so he, you know, he's been very good. He's a big forward. He's uh, got a really good uh, left foot on him. He can really strike it cleanly. Um, he, he seemed to combine very well with, with Jay Stansford last year, and he, he also played with with Ollie O'Neill, who you mentioned there, there, Sammy. I think the big, the, the main standout player this year uh, in terms of strikers for the 23s has been uh, Terrier Blade. Um, he's a Finnish striker. Um, was was in around it last year, but never never found the consistency that he's got this year. But this year he scored eight goals. He's unbelievably quick, um, like ridiculously quick. You, like it's just, I think definitely we're talking elite athlete level speed here. Um, even after, we didn't play against Southend uh, last week, but you can just see him in the warm down. And <laughs> I think you, yeah. I can't remember which player was was running with him. It might have been Ollie O'Neill, but uh, <laughs> you would str- anyone would struggle to just keep pace with him. He's, he's absolutely rapid. Uh, but he's really kicked on this year. He's really doing well. Um, he and uh, Sonny Hilton's another one as well. Who's um, really sort of found some form, um, and that and that's that's translated into these these really strong results. And I didn't realise that Sonny Hilton, speaking of Finland, had been to Finland. You mentioned this in his article on loan last summer, um, and had a really successful scoring period. Um, I, I I must admit, I'm a little bit naive on the Finnish league I would guess that they play in the summer because of the climate out there so that seems like quite a smart move from the club like send a send a youth player on loan to a summer league to to get some football to get some minutes it's such a um kind of interesting prospect for me I just it was something that I'd never really given much thought or uh, time to the actual concept of that yeah no it make it makes a lot of sense um Sonny had quite a few injuries last year and he before, and it just meant he didn't have the minutes under his belt, didn't have that consistency. Um, and so I think, I think him and his agent and, and, and the club just sat down and said, well, how can we try and try and get you some minutes and, and get you back on that sort of pathway and get you in a good position to start this year? And he basically went out there and, and had a really good time. I actually spoke to him while he was out there. Um, he's a really, really funny lad. Um, I think you could see that. I think there was a piece on the, on the club website uh, where they did like a day in the life um it's a proper scouser he's uh really into his uh taekwondo as well um he's a black belt in that I had to give it up when once football starts to become a bit more serious but um yeah. yeah there's an interview i did an interview with sonny on 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 the athletic so do do check that out where he talks about his experience because he absolutely loved it it was a really good experience just to be in a different country um it was during the euros as well and of course finland were were taking part himself themselves so um really really um embraced the experience as a whole and it's really benefited his football, and we, we've seen that with his performances. I think he's, I think he's scored four goals and got five assists in the in Premier League two alone. So he's benefiting from that, and he'll be one. I think, um, like Terrier Blade as well, will be looking to potentially see if they can get a loan and and try and take that into to the senior game. One player that I've seen a lot of chat about, and understandably so, given that he's been nominated twice in a row for Premier League two's Player of the Month award, uh, is Ziad Larkesh. Uh, he's a left back. He used to play for Paris Saint-Germain and I've seen a lot of chat about him, I think because of some of our fullback debates that we've been having on Fulhamish. And I think it was Don Betts who came on a podcast recently and said, well, I think that that'd be one area to upgrade in the summer. He wasn't too sure about Joe Bryan and Anthony Robinson. And I'm not saying, right, we've got the answer. He's, he's lurking in our academy, Ziad Larkesh. But then someone 
tweeted us and said, well, what about him? Surely if you sign a third fullback, uh, a promising young player like Larkesh is going to be a bit dismayed, isn't he? And it kind of brought me back to some of what we've been talking about earlier in the season when we said, actually, does signing players above potentially hinder the progress of, of some of the youth teams below? But aside from that, he seems like a really, really promising player. Um, t- to get nominated twice for that award, I think, just just shows that. Yeah, no, he's, he's having a really good season. Fulham brought him in from Paris Saint-Germain um, last summer, in summer of 2020. And this year he's he's sort of kicked on again, and as you said, he's been he's been nominated for Premier League Two's Player of the Month for, for twice twice in a row now. Um, he, he didn't play against Southend. He's, he's I think he's, he's sidelined at the moment, but he he should be back soon. But um, no, he, he's one who I think last year probably didn't shine as much as he has done this year. He's a technical fullback. He, he can get forward. Um, I don't know if we saw sort of the best of him last year. I, I think when especially when in the games that, that I went down to see, but. Clearly, he's he's kicked on again this year, and and I, I'm not sure if he's in the cohort that sort of train regularly. There's a group um, within the 21s, and what's been quite interesting is how the 23, sorry, how the two groups overlap with with Marco Silva's squad and likes of Marlon Fossi, Steven Sessegnon. Obviously, we've seen uh, Adrian Pajaziti and, and Tyrese Francois and, and Jay Stansfield, of course, uh, and how they sort of train with the seniors and then play with the 23s. He's he's very much one who's based with the 23s at the moment but his form has certainly caught the eye and I think what will be interesting is is what comes next with that and and as you say I mean if we're looking at the fullback position and whether we want to strengthen it it's it would you have to consider the the bigger picture and for sure I still think it's it's early in this season I think if he can maintain his form uh consistently uh beyond Christmas as well I'm not sure if he may be one that could be looking could be at uh in that sort of lone picture I'm not particularly sure on that but um, he, he certainly had a, had a good season so far. And speaking of loans, it, I've seen criticism that we don't use the loan market enough. Indeed, it was Tony Khan who said only a few years ago that they don't really want to loan players to clubs that don't have the ability to have full Opta stats available. And, uh, you know, that Opta stats is only in the last few years been available in leagues like league one and, and league two. It's not like it's been in English professional football forever, but there was some admittance from Steve Wigley that they want to use the loan market more and then blood in the next generation a little bit. Is that a change in philosophy? Do you think that we are actually prepared to use that loan market uh, a, a little bit more? Because in, in years gone by, it does seem like Fulham have been reluctant um, to, to send players out. I, w- I wouldn't say in terms of blood in the next generation. I think Fulham have always done that and they've done that pretty well. Um, I mean, if you take the 18s team last year, uh, you had two schoolboys in that side in, in Javier Rojo and um, Luke Harris. Um, they're now both key parts of the the 18s and Luke Harris actually plays regularly for the 23s as well. He's a really promising young player. Um, so there's there's always that sort of need to to step them up to to the next point. Uh, I do think there, there there's a valid criticism there in terms of the loan market. I think it's always been difficult. I remember uh, last year, beginning of last year, and I, I did a piece on Fabio Carvalho's development because he there was a period where he wasn't really featuring for the 23s and he wasn't really in the first team picture. And it was partly to do with COVID bubbles in that he was training with the first team and they felt that he'd outgrown the 23s, but they didn't weren't sure if he was ready for the first team at that point. And but they the, the pathway that you know the club wanted to take was let's 
try but I think in the discussions I had it was it was seen as like a Phil Foden approach and you know, keeping with the club developing that way and then he can play at that standard and and that's the interesting point because if you're looking at someone like Carvalho and there are a few technical players in that Fulham team it's whether a, a loan move to League One or League Two is beneficial because um, you've got to be in the right environment um, now if you take someone like Matt O'Reilly of course we've talked about him before in the podcast he he's gone into League One but he's gone into a very uh, possession-based, technical-based side uh, in MK Dons, uh, who were initially under Russell Martin. And that's enabled him to shine. And I think you've got to get that right. Um, you've got to get the, the club to make the right decision. I think it's easier with centre-halves. So Jerome Apoku's had a few loans at that level. Um, we've seen Sylvester Jasper go, go into Colchester. I think there's some good links there between the clubs. Um, so it's about making sure that they are the right fit for the player because as much as they can be a learning experience for a youngster to go out and, and to play, um, you know, in, in, in the men's game, you've got, you've got to get it right in terms of the environment, in terms of the, the technical side, so it doesn't necessarily inhibit them in, in their development. So I think it will be very interesting to see what the club do going forward because they're obviously, if you're looking at overseas loans, uh, things become a little tricky with Brexit uh, and those sort of requirements. And I think, there it's clearly something they want to improve and I think we've seen that with the changes that happened in the academy over the summer talking about Hugh Jennings who is uh, head of uh, football development now at the club which is a bit more of a holistic view uh, of that position between the the youth side and the senior side so I think there's almost an acknowledgement there that 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 path the pathway has to be improved I think fundamentally that that, that's the point and and using the loan system in the right way and I I think that's a point that that I'm trying to emphasize is that it's got to be used in in the correct way as opposed to being used because it could be used Um, yeah but of course what matters is playing senior games Um, you have to play senior games you have to get minutes under your belt and if you're you know we talked about Tyrese France right now his contract's up in the summer he rejected a contract. He doesn't really have enough minutes um, at the level he probably would want at this point, uh, which is probably why it's critical that he starts playing. Um, and that that making sure that you have a scenario where the players are in a good position to to step on in their career is, is, is really important. Yeah, I know he's come back from injury. It will be interesting given the cup draw that Fulham have got, which is um, at Bristol City. Who you both, both teams you'd imagine will play slightly weaker sides. It could be an interesting opportunity for Fulham to play uh, one or two youngsters. And you've got Jay Stansfield also hopefully coming back from injury as well. It might be a little bit too soon for him, but I'll be fascinated to see what Marco Silva does in terms of that lineup. You know, does he give a few of these youth players uh, a bit of an opportunity, a little bit of a, a, a carrot uh, to dangle in front of them. You'd imagine the FA Cup isn't our priority this season and that would be a perfect game really um, for a few of our, our youngsters who are on the kind of periphery uh, to get a little bit more of a chance. Um, speaking of the under-18s, Peter, uh, they went out of the Youth Cup last night at Goodison Park. It was a really entertaining match, but sadly Fulham on the wrong side of a, of a 3-2 defeat. Um, so there's going to be no FA Youth Cup run for Fulham this season, but it seemed like a valiant effort. And and this, it seems to me, a, an under-18s that is not in transition, but this is uh, this is a slightly different team to the one that we've seen in the last few years. This is a, this is a new blood um, in the under 18s, isn't it? Yeah, I would I would even use the word transition. I think it is. They've had that really good cohort that's now all stepping up to the 23s. Um, there are some talented players coming through again, but it's about just stepping on again and, and getting making sure that they have that continuity. Um, 
for another year. And, and there are players now that are just stepping into that breach for the for the first time. I think the Youth Cup performances have been disappointing considering the talent they've had. Uh, obviously, they got knocked out in the third round last year as well. They lost to Ipswich, who I think eventually went out in the semi-final. So it wasn't wasn't too dispiriting on, on that front. But um, yeah, no, defeat to to Everton uh, last week. Um, uh, it was a, it wasn't the best performance actually. I don't think. I mean, I, I, they they took the lead. I think with the first attack of the game, Ollie Sanderson has been in great form. It was a real poacher's finish. It was Luke Harris with the shot who, who I've mentioned earlier, um, a, a playmaker in there, and uh, they started the second half really brightly, but then they just got hit by Everton um, with three goals and were three one down, and and then <laughs> right in the end in stoppage time, it all got quite dramatic where Luke Harris was completely clattered with a dreadful tackle. Uh, but then Harris reacted and got himself sent off. Um, and then the, the Everton defender was sent off as well. Um, but it was Matt Dibley-Diaz who scored a wonderful free kick. that's really worth seeing if you haven't seen it already. Really, really excellent. He's scored a few of those already uh, at this level. And he's a, another bright young player. Uh, eligible for multiple countries, I think. New Zealand, uh, Portugal, Brazil and England. So um, it'll be an interesting one to 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 follow. But he he's also signed a pro contract relatively recently. So... Um, there are some good players in there. Obviously, the, the cut runs disappointing, um, but I think there is that sort of sort of transition to the to the next group and, and and establishing them. Okay, well, if you want to keep up with all the analysis on the under twenty threes, on the under eighteens, the Athletic is the place to be. Uh, Peter does cover the first team, yes, and he covers them in detail, yes, but he also looks at all the other teams uh, around Fulham, particularly the youth teams. Um, he's often uh, tweeting about their games as well, so you can follow him on Twitter if you want the latest updates, and it is really, really interesting uh, to hear about that next generation, and as I mentioned, hopefully we might see a few of them in action in that FA Cup game in a few weeks, but Peter, I will leave you to your Christmas days off, so uh, have a good one. Thank you very much, Sammy. Happy to come on, and uh, yeah, have a nice break, everyone, and I'll, I'll see soon yeah we'll catch you after reading and theathletic.com forward slash fulham pod if you want to sign up to the athletic and read all those pieces part three of the fulhamish podcast sammy and jack and we are joined by george cooper george how are you i'm good i'm good i'm ready uh ready to get a quiz call with you fellas Nice one. Yes, that's why we've got you on, because we are playing Peter Rutzler's Fulham Quiz of the Year. But Peter's not here today and we needed a quiz master. So, George, I couldn't think of a better person to bring in as our our Bruce Forsyth, our Bradley Walsh, (laughs) than your good self. I mean, to be... Sort of compared to those uh, those fine sort of uh, you know legends of, of British entertainment is, uh, is is a real compliment, and I can only hope to uh, live up to those giddy heights. You Maybe have a bit it, of the Bradley Walshes about you. Maybe a bit of the Chris Tarrants as well. I mean, uh, I, I I mean Bradley, I'll take either of them to be honest. You know, as I said, uh, the British TV light entertainment legends, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and one day you aspire to be one of them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, if if I could be perhaps the Bradley Walsh of the Fulham Mish Pod, then um, then we'll go with that, shall we? It's a great title. That's a Twitter. <laughs> that's a Twitter bio if I've ever seen one. The yeah. Bradley, the Bradley Walsh of the Fulham world. Um, so this is uh, an excerpt from Peter's Fulham Quiz of the Year, which went up 
up on The Athletic on Wednesday. So a bit of a spoiler alert. Some of the questions that are in that quiz are in today's quiz. I don't know the questions, but I know that some of them have been lifted. So if you kind of want to play Peter's quiz, I would advise that you pause the podcast and go play it first, because obviously we might ruin some of those questions. But if you were never going to play it anyway, or you just want to play along with us, then that's absolutely fine. Um, George is going to be reading out the questions from right. We're going to write down our answers and then you're going to reveal the answers at the end. And it's a battle between myself and Jack. Exactly that. I mean, I've been flicking through and doing some preparation of this quiz. And let me tell you, they're, they're pretty tricky. I'll be very brave putting yourself on the, put your necks out on the line like this. So, so yeah. Jack's and, winning and, this. And Jack I guess is we'll, winning this hands down. I mean, it's it's well established that neither of you have lives outside of Fulham, so I anticipate that the score tally will be very high either side. But well established. Hang on, <laughs> hold up, rewind selector. Uh, that's uh, not no not true. The thing is, I knew that Jack would uh, object to that, but Sammy's like, yeah, no, fair yeah, enough. no, you pretty much, yeah, pretty much summed me up there. Um, but Jack is winning this. I don't care. Yeah, I know that he watches um, 17 League R games every weekend, but he still will smash this quiz. So I am I am the underdog here. I'm telling you that. I am the I am the West Brom in this fight. Okay, excellent. So I don't, like, some... I don't like not being the underdog. I like being I don't, I don't like being the favorite. I'm a bit like Fulham. When I'm a favorite, I'm a, I'm, I'm much further away from being at my true potential. <laughs> you think you're going to buckle on un- buckle under the pressure, Jack? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. All right. How many questions are there then, George? There are 15 questions, Sammy. So yeah, best of of 15. Oh my word. All right. Okay. (laughs) How are you feeling going into it? Are you nervous? Very nervous because I feel like a lot of credibility is on the line here. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be, it's the Stonewall title, at least for this year. You know, there's no, there'll be no, no questions as to who's Mr. Fulham out of the two of you. The, The battle of the hosts. And am I right in saying that Peter sent you some bonus questions that aren't in his actual quiz on the athletic? Absolutely. Yeah, we do. We do have a few bonus questions that will be in. So, I mean, even if you do listen to this, this, um, this podcast and still want to do the quiz, there, there are, you know, there are questions that you'll listen today that won't be in the quiz. So, you know, it's not, it's not as if it's going to ruin it entirely for you. Fair it's enough. It's a mix and match. From the cutting room floor, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, right. Should we, without further ado, should we, should we crack on? Let's, Let's quiz. Let's quiz. So, question one. Who scored Fulham's first goal of 2021? Is it Ivan Caballero, Adamola Luckman, Mario Lamina, or Bobby Decker Dover-Reed? Please um, note, your, note your answers down. Do you know what the difficulty here is? I can't remember what the first game of 2021 is. Like I can think of contenders, but I'm struggling to exactly remember because there was a lot of like COVID delays at the time. So mm. that's all right. That is correct. correct. And also okay. this is this is first Fulham's first goal. It's not even so not necessarily in the first game, as we as we know. Uh, goals were quite hard goals to come by. Short supply last year. I think I've got an answer. Right, moving on to question two. Fulham were finally awarded compensation for Harvey Elliott in February after he joined Liverpool in 2019. What fee, as reported by The Athletic, could Fulham eventually receive for their academy product? 3.3 million, 4.3 million, 5.3 million or 10 million? So I'll repeat the question. Fulham were finally awarded compensation for Harvey Elliott in February after he joined Liverpool in 2019. 
a saga that we followed intensely. Um, what fee, as reported by The Athletic, could Fulham eventually receive for their academy product? None of the answers are just Harry Wilson, which has upset me. <laughs> Absolutely. And the options were 3.3, 4.3, 5.3 and 10 point. Just 10. a straight up 10. A straight up 10. Okay. All right. I think I knew what I had in my head and one of those was quite close to it. So. Okay. You're always, always best to go with your gut with quizzes, I find. Because yeah. yeah. you, you, you kick yourself if you deviate from that. Trust, trust your quiz stinks. Exactly. Exactly. Jeez. So <laughs> question three. From the earliest days I can remember, I've always been both footed. I did move around quite a bit at Chelsea. I was comfortable on both sides. It's just stuck with me until now. Which Fulham player gave this quote to The Athletic in the past 12 months? Is it Ruben Loftus-Cheek? Ooh. <laughs> Nathaniel Shalaber, Ola Aina, or Michael Hector? That is a great question. Because my first thought was definitely Loftus-Cheek, and now I don't know. I couldn't think of any other players that played for Chelsea, and actually there's quite a lot. Did you hear it again, or should we move on? Keep going. Roll through. Rattle. Yeah, I've got it. Shake, rattle, and roll. Cool thing. Question four. Last season was not the best campaign for Mitrovic at Fulham, but on the international stage, he made history. Against which country did he become Serbia's all-time leading goalscorer outright? Was it Ireland? Portugal, Azerbaijan, or Liechtenstein. This is this is well un- this is well unfair that this is in Jack that Jack's on for this one because he was it's, it's you know it's bread and it's butter, isn't it? It's bread and butter. A <laughs> A it's international football, not a Fulham <laughs> question, and B it's in Jack's nation's group. I, I feel good. like I feel like um, that, that was he, one of the one of the easier ones in the question, but we'll move on. Question number five. Scott Parker often caught the eye with his attire. I saw him feature on the accidental Partridge Twitter feeds for this very reason. Against which <laughs> team did he first wear a cream-coloured padded jacket? Yeah. Was it Man City, great question. Everton, Liverpool or Wolves? That's oh, such a good on. question. That's a good one. I mean, it was shocking, shocking Big clubber. Fan. I like I'm, that. I'm, reti- I'm retiring if I get this one wrong. <laughs> Excellent I remem- stuff. I remember at the time defending that coat and I'll defend it now. Um, I've got not got loads of nice things to say about Scott Parker, but I thought that coat was all right. Oh, Jack. Jack. The, problem well, maybe was, I, I the problem anticipate. was he wore it with too many other things. So yeah. it looked really like, like kind of chunky, but actually it was a perfectly pleasant coat. It was just worn wrong. Yeah, but then again, if you wear a suit, but wear it, I don't know, wear like a, wear, wear a, a sombrero. jumper, at, yeah, underneath it, no one's going to be like, nice suit. They're like, what the hell are you doing with that? It's like, yeah, but it wasn't like that. The actual, like, stylistically, it was fine. It was just, it was too tight. We could yeah. debate this all day. I, I'm, I'm yeah. afraid to say I, I disagree He looks like you he had a onesie underneath. <laughs> it was the quilted nature of it that, that threw me. I'm sure, I'm sure if we, we could find it it'll be in some uh, sales rail some somewhere in january we can we'll do, we'll, we'll, we maybe can do we'll... sartorial we can do sartorial debates any day any day you like we'll, uh, we'll pick a different day <laughs> cool question six moving on we're staying on the theme of scott parker who often referred to the fine margins of football matches 
How many games did Fulham win or lose in the Premier League by a single goal margin? Oh, what question. Six, nine, 11 or 13. An absolute humdinger. Well, there weren't that many wins. Quite a lot of losses. Though. How many games did Fulham win or lose in the Premier League by a single goal margin? Okay. Cool. Question seven. Fulham's first win of the season came in an emphatic fashion at Huddersfield on August the 14th, winning 5-1. Who picked up three assists that uh, day? Good question. Uh, yeah, I got that one. Was it Fabio? Was it Ivan? Was it Josh Onoma? Or was it Bobby Decadova reed Let's go. Keep going. Roll on. We've, Roll both, on. we've both got that one annoying. Absolutely. We've both got uh, it. Yeah, yeah, both <laughs> All right. Right, question eight. Fulham eventually confirmed the signing of Rodrigo Minas from Flamengo on August 20th after a protracted transfer saga. After the confirmation of the signing, Minas had to quarantine before linking up with his new teammates. In which European city did he quarantine? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> this is the most 2021 20, question in the pack. So is it Madrid, Porto, Lisbon or Barcelona? A one Iberian man is what you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I thought it was going to be country. I was like, I think I know that. But... Oh, I like this. This is a great question. Big fan of that. Yeah. This one's also uh, quite, quite a good one. So question nine, Fabio Carvalho was a shining light for Fulham in the opening weeks of the season. From which club did he join Fulham as a youngster? <laughs> is it Tooting and Mitchum? Ballon Blazers, Wongers, or Clapham Rangers. I was very Honestly, disappointed. Dom will be so pleased that Tooting and Mitchum have got a shout out in the middle I of know, this I know, right? I know, yeah. right? I was, um, I was a little bit disappointed to see that the Hounslow Harriers weren't included in this in this list. So yeah, some, two- of those, some of those don't sound... Uh, one of them <laughs> sounds... I thought you were going to say Stress and Rovers at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so it's Tooting and Mitchum, Ballon Blazers, Wongers, or Clapham Rangers. Sorry, Wongers? Wongers. Right. Okay. I think yeah. Wongers is in the loan company. Yeah, they like... finished. They've they've run out of they've run out of money to give, and instead they're now uh, they've decided their strategy is bringing <laughs> through really talented young footballers, starting an academy. Yeah, unlikely heroes mm. doing a re- like the new Red Bull. <laughs> they've gone think, into sports. <laughs> I think Glenn Hoddle essentially do that. He started up some rag little football academy. Anyway, we digress. Rag. Number ten. <laughs> we have all right. This is this is um quite it's quite a tough one actually um so fulham surrendered their first defeat of the season at blackpool blackpool in september they lost one nil and were downed by a player who briefly spent some time in the fulham academy who was the goal scorer hmm. was it josh bowler keshi anderson tyrese john jules or sunny carey great oh, name tyrese john jules to be fair oh great yeah name. great excellent name Annoyingly, I didn't go to this game. I didn't watch this game. I mean, one game of the season I didn't really watch. Not, so. not annoyingly, uh, given the results. No, no. Obviously, I was quite pleased at the time, but now, considering it's question ten of the most important quiz of the year, I am quite annoyed. <laughs> and Jack was there, and I know that Jack was there as well. I missed, so again, I missed the goal. I missed it. We're still trying to get a drink in the Blackpool bar. I fully don bested it, um, <laughs> but. And that's because the bar queue was so long that it genuinely, it was 63 minutes before I got back into the stand. Um, oh. And 
but I do know who scored this goal. Okay. Okay, confidence from from JC. Question 11. How many goals did Fulham concede in the final 15 minutes of matches last season? Six, nine, 12 or 15? Felt like we did about five in a row at one point in the season where it was just every goal was in the 90th minute. Um... Question 12. No team has more shots and goal in the championship this season than Fulham. But which team saw their goal peppered with 25 attempts in 90 minutes? The most Fulham have mustered in a single game. Bournemouth, Cardiff, Reading or Blackburn? There's obviously an obvious art. There's an obvious one out of those, but I'm pretty sure it's not. I think that's in there as a red herring. (laughs) Ah, trying to trick you. I see. Trying to blindside. Okay. Great question. question. That's great a good one. Question. I mean, the hats off to Peter. These are these are great questions. Question number 13. Fulham put seven past Blackburn in November, inflicting the home side's worst ever home league defeat. It was also their biggest league win since an 8-0 victory in 1969. Who did Fulham defeat that day? Swansea City, Halifax Town, Ipswich Town, or Port Vale? We go. We move. We go. I was I was so when I played the quiz for the first time I was so convinced I knew this and then I got it wrong so may that be a warning to you gents a warning to all of you yeah Yeah. (laughs) I've got this all right question 14 Fulham have scored more than half a century of goals already this season but how many were headers oh (laughs) six (laughs) eleven fifteen or nineteen what kind of a question is that I know Right, and now. Okay. Are we, re- are we ready for the final question of the yeah. quiz? Yeah. Sonny Hilton has been shining for Fulham's under 23s this season. He followed up a three month loan spell abroad in the summer. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It followed a three month loan spell abroad in the summer, designed to pick up minutes after a season interrupted by injury. In which country did he play in? Denmark, Finland, Latvia, or Norway? <laughs> Great so it's question. Denmark, Finland, really Latvia, good. or Norway. Um, so, unbeknown to you, George, that um, <laughs> in part two of this podcast that's been recorded, which is about the under 23s already with Peter, we discussed this exact loan move. So, I'm pretty sure if anyone's got to <laughs> this part of the podcast, they'll know the answer because we literally <laughs> talked about it. So, um, that's a little freebie for anyone that's listened this far and a little, freebie, a little freebie for me, although I'm fairly sure Jack will know it as well. Okay. Excellent. The joys of, you know, podcast recording and not going out live, eh? Excellent. Right. Should we rattle through the answers to this? Let's rattle through the answers. So uh, join with us. I want to know what people scored on this as well. So yeah. tweet us at Fulhamish Pod with your scores afterwards and let's see who comes out top, me or Jack. So question one, who scored Fulham's first goal of 2021? The answer was... Bobby, Bobby. Decker over Reed. Yes. Did you both get that? Yeah, in the Was cup, it against right? QPR? QPR? Yeah. That's the one. That's the badger. I just couldn't remember if the Spurs game came first, which was Ivan Cavallero, but I was mm. pretty sure that came afterwards. Yeah. yeah Flying start for both Sammy and Jack. Okay. Fulham were finally awarded compensation for Harvey Elliott in February after he joined from Liverpool in 2019. What fee, as reported by The Athletic, could Fulham eventually receive for their academy product? What did you? Four point three million. Yeah, it was just over four. Both correct. Congratulations, Chance. It's neck and neck going into question three. Uh, From the earliest days I can remember, I've been both footed. I did move around quite a bit at Chelsea. I was comfortable on both sides. It's just stuck with me until now. Which Fulham player gave this quote to the Athletic in the past twelve months? Sammy, would you go for? 
I went for Ola Aina. Jack. Absolutely did the same, and I'm pretty sure it's spot on. Correct. Well done. Ola Aina. Yes. Ola Aina. Still, still neck and neck, gents. Question four. Last season was not the best campaign for Mitrovic at Fulham, but on the international stage, he made history. Against which country did he become Serbia's all-time leading goal scorer outright? Sammy, what would you go for? I think I might have got this wrong, but I said Liechtenstein. That is incorrect. This is wrong. Bang! It's Portugal, it's and it Portugal. was that like really famous game where they had the like goal disallowed, and it was all it was all a bit chaotic. But he oh, yeah, I knew he scored a few against Liechtenstein. I assumed it was then. Oh, so Jack's oh. taking the lead. He's got the advantage going into question five. Scott Parker, I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying this is a technicality if he wins it from here because that's not a, that's not a Fulham question. Of course it is. Uh, I think it is. Fulham, as we know, and our, our dear, um, next our dear Serbian friends are next... intertwined fan bases. As, as, no, absolutely. As, so, next he's yeah. going to be telling me that Fabio Carvalho's first club has got nothing to do with Fulham either. No, no, that does. <laughs> right. Scott Parker often caught the eye with his attire. Against which team did he first wear that infamous cream-coloured jacket, the jacket that Jack so craves? Was it Man City, Everton, Liverpool or Wolves? Sammy, what would you go for? Liverpool. Yeah. Jack? Yeah, Liverpool. The right. the classic white coat. Beautiful yeah. time. Point uh, of peace there, going into question six. Jack's still got the fine margin. <laughs> <laughs> Scott good. Parker often referred to fine margins of football matches. How many games did Fulham win or lose in the Premier League by a single goal? Was it six, nine, eleven, or thirteen? Jack, we'll go with you this time. What did you go for? I went 13, but I think I'm high. I reckon it like I did. I've written down 13, but I'm in my head. I'm tw- twisting this Ooh. to 11. But I, think Sammy, it, I'm, I went oh. for 11. Jack's got another point. Oh, he's no. pulling away. He's pulling away. It was 13. Correct was answer. I mean, that's astounding. A single goal margin. Um, yeah, goes I mean, to show. To- I mean, that's a total guess for both of us. Oh, so. 100%. Yeah, I was twisted. No way with- it was that. 11 or 13, and like it was, it, it did feel like that way. I stuck with what I wrote down, but I'm, I'm glad I did. But, yes. Stuff. Jack's pulling away here. Question yeah. seven. Fulham's first win of the season came in an emphatic fashion at Huddersfield on August 14th, winning 5-1. Who picked up three assists that day? Jack, who'd you go for? Bobby. Uh, this is right as well. Bobby, yeah. Both correct. Well done, gents. We're at the halfway point. So this one, Fulham eventually confirmed the signing of Rodrigo Munoz on August 20th after a protracted transfer saga. After confirmation of the signing, Munoz had to quarantine before linking up with his new teammates in which European city did he quarantine? Jack, who did you go for? Was it Madrid, Porto, Lisbon or Barcelona? I saw our cousins in Barcelona who I texted to go and try and find Rodrigo Munoz. (laughs) Um, So the answer I'm pretty sure is Barcelona. Sammy, what did you go for? I went for Barcelona as well. Both correct, gentlemen. Jack still got that two-point cushion going into question nine. Fabio Carvalho was a shining light for Fulham in the opening weeks of the season. From which club did he join Fulham as a youngster? I I didn't know that they were called the Ballon Blazers, but I was pretty sure it was Ballon. Jack? Yeah, it's a great name. It's like, have you ever watched Don't Drop the Egg? Yeah, they're like, yeah, clap them, clap them, the Ballon Blazers reminded me of that. It's like, Ballon Blazers. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure that's the answer. Both correct, gents. Yeah, it's very Bend It Like Beckham, isn't it? Hounslow Harriers. Um, but yeah, 
the the Ballon Blazers. Who'd have thought it? Question 10. Fulham suffered their first defeat of the season at Blackpool in September. They lost 1-0 and were downed by a player who briefly spent some time in the Fulham Academy. Who was the goal scorer? Was it Josh Bowler, Keshi Anderson, Tyrese John-Jules or Sonny Carey? Sammy, who'd you go for? I went for Josh Bowler. Jack, who did you yeah, go for? It was, and Sammy's got Sammy's got a nice little guess right there. And I'm pleased yeah, with him. correct. Pleased with him. It was the only one well, I recognised. Really, I was like, it rings, it rings a bell. So I was, yeah, yeah okay, I've Jack, got away with one. You are oozing confidence right now, Jack. I, I think, you, I think, I, yeah. If he's got, there's a couple coming up that are like multiple choice, bit of guesswork. But I, I'd be surprised. I don't think I can win this. I think I might be able to. You draw might be able to draw. Lucky. There's two. I'm not. Three of these, I'm absolutely no. I've got right, and two of them, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit more unsure. So still, we'll I mean, squeaky bum time. You know, quiz with multiple choice it can go either way. So question eleven: How many goals did Fulham concede in the final fifteen minutes of matches last season? Six, nine, twelve, or fifteen? Sammy. I went, for nine. I went for nine. Jack? Yeah, I, I think I've gone for six. I think we're short of what we actually think it is. Like in our heads, it's loads, but I think it might be less. I think for the first time this quiz, you've both got it wrong. It's actually 12. Fulham oh, conceded 12 whoa, goals in the final 15 minutes of matches last season. Brutal. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite happy that Jack just hasn't got 100%. That's that's good. That's pleased me. Then uh, at this at this point, it's damage limitation, and a whitewash was not going to look good on my CV. So absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Question number twelve: No team has scored more shots on goal in a championship this season than Fulham. But which team saw their goal peppered with twenty-five attempts in ninety minutes, the most Fulham have mustered in a single game? Bournemouth, Cardiff, Reading, or Blackburn? Sammy, you said at the time that there's a. An obvious answer that might not be correct. What did what did you go for? Well, the obvious answer is Blackburn, but I'm pretty sure it isn't Blackburn. I think we nearly, I think we scored with most of our attempts on target. I'm pretty sure we didn't have that many shots against Cardiff, so it leaves it between Bournemouth and Reading. I know that there was more against Bournemouth than you would think, but I still think that Reading was the game that we absolutely pummeled them. So my answer is Reading, but if it's Bournemouth, then I'm not entirely surprised. Yeah, it, I went Reading as well. It's the game we chucked the absolute kitchen sink at them, didn't we? Trying to get that equaliser. Um, I'd be very surprised if this is wrong. Both correct. Ding, ding, ding. Well done, fellas. So ding, ding, question ding. number 13. Fulham have put, Fulham put seven past Blackburn in November, inflicting the home side's worst ever home league defeat. It was also their biggest league win since an 8-0 victory in 1969. Who did Fulham defeat that day? So this is the question that I, I thought I knew, but it turns out I didn't. Swansea City, Halifax Town, Ipswich Town or Port Vale. Jack, who'd you go for? I went for Halifax. Sammy? Halifax. Oh, absolutely right. So going into the... If Jack gets either of these questions right, then I think that makes him victorious. So, yeah. Sammy... You best hope for a bit of luck here. Question number 14. I'm hoping for a Max Verstappen. I need the safety car. <laughs> <laughs> Fully of a, yeah, a real smash and grab if you were to salvage a point here. Fulham have scored more than half a century of goals already this season, but how many were headers? 6, 11, 15 or 19? Sammy, what'd you go for? I just went on the margins that about 20, I think something like 20% of goals are headers. And so I've just gone that 11 is closest to 20 cents. But uh, that's Im- my Immaculate logic there, Sammy. I, I, Jack did, would... I did genuinely, I'm like, not even joking, exactly the same logic. Like they was like, I was like, it's probably around a fifth, I'd imagine. <laughs> and you have someone as, you know, composite in the air as Alexander Mitrovic is. So I had 11 just on that basis, but it's complete guess. 
Both correct, gentlemen. Oh, so that means, Jack, you are this year's Fulhamish quiz, courtesy of The Athletic and Peter Ruxley. You, you are the the champion. Congratulations. Thank you. We'll, we'll see out question 15 just for, you know, sake of closure. So, in that. This, yeah. is like the, this is like the 18th hole where uh, Jack's actually wrapped it up uh, one, <laughs> a two and one. <laughs> and he's got, he's lined himself up a two, two foot putter, uh, like putter to, to clinch the championship. Sonny Hilton has been the shining light of Fulham's under 23s this season. It followed a three month loan spell abroad in the summer designed to pick up minutes after a season interrupted by injury. In which country did he play in? Denmark, Finland, Latvia, Norway everyone knows it is Jack it's Finland um, hey. it's an amazing article that Peter wrote about Sonny earlier in the year um, yeah. so while we're, while he's not here we'll plug him um, yeah, it's the second it just, plug it's got in this podcast remarkably it's one of those it's a really really good article I really enjoyed it I enjoyed my athletic subscription at the best of times but I really enjoyed that article good stuff well I guess that's all that's left uh, for me to do is congratulate Jack Collins on his crown the prince reigns supreme. So what did you get? So you got you got fourteen points in the end. Did you? Fourteen Jack? out of fifteen, and Sammy with a very, very, very admirable twelve out of fifteen. That's um very good. If you want to check out the rest of Peter's quiz, it's on available on the Athletic. Um and yeah, very good, very tricky. I, I won't reveal the what I scored because um I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think I'd ever appear on Fulhamish again. But congratulations, Shane. It was good fun. Thanks, Coop. Nice I one. appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm excited now to go and do the rest of this quiz and because uh, Sammy basically messaged yesterday being like, do not do the quiz. And I yeah. was like, fair enough. I uh, I probably I was like, I wouldn't have noticed if you hadn't said anything, but okay. Um <laughs> and yeah, no, it was um yeah, it's been bugging me because I want to do I love quizzes, I wanted to do it. Um, so I'm now excited to go and do the rest of this quiz. Yeah, well, it's on The Athletic right now. And thank you very much for listening today. A uh, bit of quiz, bit of under-23s chat and bit of a festive preview as well. And we'll be back after the Sheffield United game, if it happens, uh, releasing a podcast on Tuesday. Uh, but thank you to everyone that got involved today. Thank you, Peter, earlier for the under-23s bit. It was very nice to chat all about the youth team. Uh, George Cooper, thank you for being an excellent quiz master. Oh, my absolute pleasure, gents. Yeah, good, good quiz in all round. Walsh in waiting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and Jack it. Collins, as ever, thank you. Thank you very much, Sammy. I appreciate it. Have a nice weekend. Stay safe, and hopefully, Fulham can get three points on Monday. You whites. You whites.